You are listening to Crosstalk. A safe place to discuss addiction, recovery, harm reduction, and everything in between. Support for this podcast comes from the Kentucky Opioid Response Effort and Advocates of Recovery. Content and production by the team at Turning Point Recovery Community Center. Now, buckle up and get ready for the show. Welcome everyone to Crosstalk Recovery again, the recovery podcast that supports all forms of recovery. Um, we're here today, I'm Matt Lewis, we're here today with uh, Sam Peterson, Erica Wilson. Hey guys, glad you're here. Um, last time we talked a little bit about rock bottom, so today I thought we'd discuss, uh, you know, our pathways to recovery. Once we hit rock bottom, then we had to start somewhere and... Uh, for everybody, it's different, and we support whichever path you choose to take. But um, so I kind of want to just, you know, go around and talk about what got us started, what worked for us. Um, for me, you know, I went to Centerpoint, which is a AA program, twelve steps. Um, you know, I had never been to recovery before; it was my first time, so. Uh, it was all new to me. You know, I'd been forced to go to AA meetings and stuff through court, but never took it seriously, never been to rehab. So, um, but because I was actually ready for something different, I uh, I, get, I took advantage of the opportunity provided to me and gave it a shot and worked it thoroughly and honestly. Um, I know that, uh, you know, it's different for everybody, um, but that's where I started out kind of uh what about you, Sam? Uh, I guess for me, it started out in, <clears throat> it's hard to say really, because, you know, I, they, I was sent to, to meetings, support meetings through the uh, through Department of Corrections at first. And then, of course, I ended up at Centerpoint Recovery for Men as well. Uh, I've, I've went through the program twice. So it's, it's where it really started. And, you know, for me, I work at a, an anonymous program, you know, but uh, <clears throat> I think it is important. To, to for people to know that you can't recover and stuff. So I, I, me personally, I don't. I'm, I'm honest about my recovery and put it out in the open. But for me, it started the same thing: long term treatment center, well, short term, then long long term treatment center, fuller center, then center point. And you know, I think the most important thing about my recovery today is is just making sure to give back and help other people. You know, that's the biggest. I think the biggest part of my recovery into. You know, of course, you know, I believe in a God of my own understanding, everything that goes wrong with the program I work. But, uh, you know, I also work the program of, of uh, DTR, which is Double Trouble Recovery. <clears throat> I happen to be a bipolar one and manic episode, so I have to treat that as well. And it goes hand in hand with the 12 steps. It's like a extra to the to the uh, the AA. And uh, it's what works for me. You know, for me, I have to have to treat both of them, yeah. uh, you know, to stay sober i guess or clean whatever you want to call your recovery right to me you know recovery is just uh not using anymore and uh being able to enjoy life and to not have to seek substances and, and also part of my recovery is being being not acting out on my my mental illness as well which is can be just as it, bad do you find it more difficult to be dealing with that on top of um your addiction I would say I will say this time it's it's easier, you know. It seems like it's been easier to stay stay sober. I've been sober for a little over two years now, and when I the first time I got sober, I, I wasn't treating both. You know, I was just focused on the the drug addiction, and uh, 
it, I mean, I still say it's over for about a little over three years, but uh, it seems like this time, and it, recovery is not easy. So I don't want everybody, it's just, it's just easier now that I'm treating both, both the diseases. And uh, it just, it seems that everything flows a lot better. And I don't, without all those highs and lows, the urge to use is less, you know? So I think that's what's so important. Right. What about you, Erica? So I've started out in a long-term treatment center. Um, it was uh, through the court system, and um, it was in jail. And, and I don't think, I mean, I think the court system is a good, helpful push for people to get sober. Um, but if you don't want to get sober, you're, you know, it's harder. That It's harder. So I went to Recovery Works um, about a year after that, and I got out, and I, I wanted to stay sober, but it, I still... Um, I still messed up, and so after another year or so, I went back, and um, I also incorporated the maintenance program into uh, my recovery, and I've been on the maintenance program for two years, and I've been doing really good since. So life's a lot better today. That's awesome. Uh, You know, there's a lot of stigma attached to that, and, like, I know it's harder for people around here to you know, who are medically assisted to find sponsors sometimes or, you know, even in meetings, people can judge you. Um, You know, we support all forms of recovery here. And that's like ultimately the way I feel about it is if, you know, we want people to live happier, healthier lives. And, you know, I want that for everybody, whatever gets you there. Um, I think that that's important. I know I've seen the stigma in the rooms before, you know, with, with the medically assisted treatments. And, you know, my thing is the program I work says that it's not the only pathway to recovery. I think it's, you know, it, I have to stay open-minded until, you know, and to judge something before, before I'm educated about it sometimes is where I make mistakes, you know? So for me, for me, I, I work at, an abstinence program, you know, and my quality of life has improved. If somebody's on MAT and their their quality of life has improved and their abstinence from other drugs, what's the problem? I mean, it's it's all about living a better life and right. and returning to somewhat of what we Absolutely. like to call normalcy, normalcy to me, you know, so yeah. called normalcy. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I, I have a dear friend who's been on it for many years. And, uh, you know, it's way better. I don't like to say it's the lesser of two evils, but, you know, it's way better than the alternative, uh, you know. Absolutely. You know, you can actually hold down a job, have a life. You know, my thing is I don't, I don't want to necessarily be judged because because I'm a drug addict and I have that in, in my past. So why am I going to pass judgment on other people? You know, my, my program teaches me that's not what I do. You know, that's not the program I work is to, to judge yeah. others. I mean, I hated being judged even in my addiction, but I judged everybody, you know, today I have no judgment for anyone and I just want everyone to be better, you know, to live their best life. You know, ultimately we'll be right back. Did you know that recovery from substance use disorder and mental health go hand in hand? That is why the caring and compassionate mental health professionals at Four Rivers Behavioral Health in Paducah are here to help you find your balance. They are proud of you for making the changes necessary to live a healthier life and would love to see you reach your full potential. Give them a call at 270-442-7121 or stop by the downtown location at 425 Broadway in Paducah, Kentucky. What do you guys think about, like, I know that, 
you know, the, the anonymity of a 12-step program is uh, something that they beat into your head, kind of, and a lot of people say that it's non-existent, but, you know, I think it is sometimes an important part of it. I kind of like that people are being able to, you know, be open about their recovery and not have to hide it as much that they, you know, um, that they're celebrating it. You know, I mean, we have to, I have to remain humble uh, about my recovery, knowing that, you know, at any moment I could go back out there if I don't do what I've been taught to do and use the tools that I use. Um, But I don't think that people should be made to feel bad about it, you know, because people are trying to get their lives back together. I think anonymity was put in put in place more to protect the program than it was me. You know, it's my recovery. I feel like if I want to talk about my recovery, it's my recovery to talk about. You know, me personally, I've been. If you Google my name, you get to see the nice list of charges through throughout my drug addiction. So, what am what am I really trying to hide that I've changed my life and become a better person? I mean, everybody that that really knows me knows the struggles I've already went through, and if. If I think I'm hiding something that, you know, oh, I didn't, you know, it's, that's not what it was for. It's because I'm liable to, you know, relapse can happen. And, you know, I think the reason I try to stay anonymous, to, I don't want to hurt the program that I worked. Because I promise you, if I go back out there, it's not the program's fault. It's because of something I didn't do. You know, the program has, works if I work it. You know, I know that's cliche, but it, it's just the truth. Um, you know, so... I think I, I think the more people that come in contact with people that are in recovery, the better it is for the recovery community. Because so many times we see the guys going back to jail and things of that nature. You, you know, I was talking to a police officer one time, and I said, you know, you get to see the you get to see the repeat offenders. But a, a guy like me that got in trouble in Muhlenberg County, went to a treatment in Paducah, got sober, now works in recovery. The the the, the guys that arrested me don't get to see me anymore. So, you know, they don't get that positive reinforcement that people can change. And that's where a lot of the stigma comes from, I think, is because a lot of people don't know that, hey, that one of their friends is an addict or, or this and that because we've always been so anonymous about it. And there is the stigma, we, you know, that goes along with being an alcoholic or an addict. So I think, I think it's important for, for everybody to see that, you, you know, this, this stuff works, whatever, whatever your path is. I think that's a for sure. important thing. Absolutely. Erica, how do you feel about that? I mean, did you do you feel like you um, faced stigma or faced people judging you? Yeah, when I when I first got out of rehab and started going to meetings, I I started questioning because of the things I was hearing. I started questioning if I was actually sober or not. Like, should I pick up this chip? It was kind of confusing for me. Um, and you'll you'll sometimes hear people comment about. And, you know, I just want to say, look at me. I'm I'm doing the thing, and I'm on Suboxone. I know it's not for everybody, um, and th- different things work for different people, but that's why it's important to be open-minded about it. And so, yeah, uh, I'm, I think I'm a little bit better now because there's so much support here where we work and in the community that I have seen, and like we're doing right now, it's pretty awesome. Well, right, like, you, like just being on this podcast and talking about it, you know, you don't know who will see it, and that, you know, that takes courage to be able to be open about that stuff, but, uh, you know, I uh, applaud you for that. I think that it's important. Recovery is person-centered. You know, what works for me may not work for you and or you, and, you know, what works for y'all may not work for me. That doesn't make one pathway to recovery wrong or right. It just makes them different. And I think that uh, 
the more that it's talked about, the more that these communities can come together and support one another. And I think that's that's what it, I mean. And it, it for the most part it does, you know. Uh, from what I'm seeing lately, I think I think it's it, you know things are starting to change in outlooks, you know. But I, I think anybody in recovery needs to support another person in recovery. That's that's what I just want to help people because I needed help one time too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that unity between pathways to recovery is extremely important for what we're doing. I mean, we're we're all trying to better ourselves, trying to better our lives. You know, uh, ultimately, we have the same goals. You know, uh, we're all human beings just trying to live our best life. You know, I, I, I think you touched on it. You know, all I'm trying to do is be a better person than what I used to be. You know, and uh, whatever supports that, or you know, and I can wear the hat. It, a lot of different support groups, you know, yeah. uh, you know, so I don't get caught up in all that anymore. The, the important thing to me is that, you know, are you, am I, for me, and I took, am I doing something different than I used to be? And I didn't set the bar real high. So, you know, for people to be proud of me, it doesn't take a whole lot anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I've set that bar nice and low. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, uh, you know, whatever, whatever works for you, you know, and I think that's in, in recovery in general, you're seeing a whole lot more of that. It's about what works for somebody. Can we address the fact that uh, it's St. Patrick's Day and none of us are wearing green? It is St. Patrick's <laughs> Day, and uh, it, I'm not wearing green um, because I didn't. I didn't remember this morning. I'll be honest. Nor with did you. I even know that St. Patrick's Day was this month. So St. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick's Day was always huge, huge for me. Being not, when I was drinking, you know, I was a hardcore drinker. You know, we had a parade. We were always on the floats. It was go, it went down the road where all the bars were. It was bar hopping. It was always debauchery or jail or injuries or fights. You know, I always liked and Saint, I loved it. St. <laughs> Patty's Day when I was drinking because it was one of those days where. A lot of people would get as drunk as I normally do, so I didn't stand out as much, you know? <laughs> That's true, too. Yeah, that was a great aspect of it. An excuse to get crazy in public. Oh, I didn't need an excuse, but I took advantage of every excuse I could find. You know what I mean? It's like I'm, there's less likely of a chance I'm going to get arrested today because people who don't drink as much as I do are trying to drink as much as I do today. Right. Especially when they're having the parade, you're allowed to drink on the streets, you know? It was so much easier to hide and get away. But... You know, all you have to do is be the one guy who's way worse than all those people. And the jails are full of those nights, trust me. I've, <laughs> I've been there. Uh, how do you think you're going to do at bowling tonight? Uh, you know, I don't know. I did not do well last week. So I'm thinking that uh, um, it should be a redemption day, you know. For, you think for so? This, 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 yeah. Yeah, you were off last week. I was. It was bad. It was bad. I still, I still beat you once, but it was bad. Did you? Yeah, I don't second game. remember that. Second game. <laughs> he remembers. Really, really badly. Second game. <laughs> okay, maybe. <laughs> but I won all the other ones. You know, all the other ones. The other two. How many? <laughs> we, we bowled three. We, we bowled four. Three. It was too many people. We only bowled three. Really? Yeah. No. No, that's not true because... <laughs> It was at least five games because it was two at the beginning. Then we got two more. Then there was one more. Well, yes. So you won one of five. I may have also known that. <laughs> I had to think about it. <laughs> but I really enjoy the, us going bowling, doing something. I mean, it's something that we can do and have fun, you know, together, build those relationships. Uh, you know, we don't have to drink doing it. 
uh, or use. I used to. I bet your score was great. I don't even think I ever kept track of it. It was like I was throwing it between my legs or backwards. <laughs> you know, it was more about being a fool than it was actually my score. But, uh, no, today it's about winning. Are you tired of having an embarrassing low bowling score? If so, you need to try Matt's proven method called bumper bowling. That's right, we're talking about those gutter rails designed to keep children from having a complete and total meltdown. Matt's bumper bowling technique is guaranteed to pull your score out of the double digits just like it did his. And don't worry, your friends aren't laughing at you, they're cheering you on. He's got a week to edit it, and I'm sure he'll put this in there and somehow make it into me being, you know, making fun of me somehow. Well, I mean, it's, it's it, going to it, be a running gag through this. It is really easy to make fun of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when I'm doing things like this, yeah. <laughs> Not at bowling. <laughs> okay, Lebowski. Uh, recovery Out Loud, you know, their, uh, their whole goal is to build unity in the recovery community, which I, we talked about, mm-hmm. and to bridge the gap between the recovery community at large and... And they do that. They do that through uh, education about myths and recovery, uh, going to schools and churches in the community, trying to affect change, hosting forums and workshops. Uh, they have program development, you know, to work with establishment recovery support organizations and advocacy and network, long-term project development. They're uh, involved in all these things. Um, so I feel like you know, once you get past the Stigma may be based on whatever program you're working that might, you know, tell you to be you know, anonymous about it or to, to not uh, to be ashamed of it, which I don't know who would be encouraging that. Uh, you know, I think that that's ultimately a good thing that we are, uh, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of. We may be ashamed of some of the things we've done in our past, but it's all about what we do moving forward from here, you know, in my opinion. You know, we can't do anything to change those those things that we've done. Um, we can just try to be better people and learned through from those things. I know for me, I, until I found recovery, I didn't know that it was possible. I thought I had gotten to this point where there was no going back. You know, the stigma was within my own head that you've went too far. You can't come back from this. You're going to die. You know, that's the way I felt about myself. And uh, I think what, Recovering Out Loud does. Not only does it help with the stigma within the community, but it also puts that message of hope out there. You know, so maybe you reach people earlier. They don't have to go to the links I went to, you know, that rock bottom we talked about last last time, you know. It's all about hope. You know, if I, if I believe I rec- can recover, then I have a shot at it. If I don't believe it, it's never going to happen. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know... I use that as an excuse too. Like I, I'll never be able to make it out of this. You know, it's too hard. This is who I am. I, you know, it's just giving up, not being willing to put. You know, I, like I said, I think before. You know, I just the magic wand would have been nice, but no, it requires action and effort. You know, to actually do achieve things that you want in your life, not just in recovery, but in anything. You have to work towards them. You know, so. I don't, I don't know why you should be shameful about having substance use disorder. You know, uh, so I, I have this problem that's, that's within my mind that makes me different than other people, and I should be ashamed about it. It's a disease. I yeah. mean, I, 
people argue that point too, but it quite clearly is a disease because there's people who can drink successfully, I guess. You know what I mean? It doesn't affect everyone the same way. So, you know, there's people like my, in my family that can have one or two drinks at night. They go to bed, wake up the next right. morning, go to work, do all those things, are quite successful. They don't I, break out in handcuffs. <laughs> I put a couple drinks in me, and I'm on a rampage for however many months until I'll hopefully make it back to treatment. have, uh, you know, destroyed proud every relationship in my life, and hopefully I'm still alive to go to treatment, if not in jail. You know, that's how it goes for me. Absolutely. I don't know how, how to say this right, but it kind of the the stigma and the shame and stuff comes from maybe from the people that don't understand that it's a disease. You know what I'm saying? And it's like that we're choosing to destroy our lives and continue to do drugs every day just because we wake up and want to all the time. You know what I'm saying? I, don't, I know for my dad, I don't know if he still understands me because he's different than me. But he does understand me enough to know that if I have one, it's not stopping. <laughs> he does understand that today. And, uh, you know, that's that's good enough. You know, he knows that I'm not like other people. If I have one of something, I'm going to have two of somethings, and I'm going to have four, eight, thousand. Right. I'm going to run it until the wheels fall off. So. And I think a lot of times I think we can put some of that shame on ourselves, feeling guilty oh, yeah. about our own past, you know, even – we might think we're being judged maybe when we're not, you know? Mm-hmm. And so people tiptoe around it, uh, you know, but I think people should take pride in their recovery, honestly, you know, like I said, while remaining humble about it, knowing that it's uh, something you have to work at. Um, but you know, you're trying to improve yourself. No, I don't, I know that I'm, like you said, I'm, I'm, I am still ashamed of some of the things I did, you know, that are, you know, during, during my addiction. I'm not proud of those. But if you really ask me, would I change anything today? And I would, I would say no. Because all those things made me who I, who I am today. And, you know, I dealt with self-worth issues, self-pity, and all these things. You know, on the other side of that today, you know, treating all the, you know, because not just my substance use disorder, my bipolar, and all the other stuff I've got going on. Today, I actually like who I am and care about myself, which is, is so far. You got I got to go back far in my life to remember caring about myself, you know. So, uh, yeah. would I change anything? No, I wouldn't because they've made me who I am today. And I like, I actually like the guy in the mirror today. I don't want to punch him, so. Mm. Right. Well, like, uh, how do you, how would you refer to, talk about your quality of life today? Erica, I mean, you think it's vastly improved? Then, oh my goodness, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say that. Um, I can, for one, I can be um, a coworker today. I can be a mom today. Um, I can be a daughter. Um, I have my own place, you know. Um, pay the bills, just everything. I, I can keep friends, um, and all that good stuff. So, absolutely, that's what makes it all worthwhile. I know for me, like, the last several years of my addiction, it was just misery and depression and hopelessness and, you know, fear and never, you know, that's completely polar opposite from what my life is like today. My idea of happiness is different today than it was Absolutely. Before. You know, I thought, 
I got caught up in materialistic things. You have to have the big house, the nice car, and all this stuff to be a successful human being, and that is just not the case. You know, today my happiness is not measured in what what I own or how much money I make. It's it's measured in the quality of my friends and uh, the people I get to spend my time left on earth with. And you know, I enjoy other people's company that I run around with. Uh, you know, that's it's a big change. You know, as far as quality of life. You know, yeah. And besides uh, being maybe a couple pounds overweight, <laughs> everything's pretty good health-wise, too. Yeah, right on. Yeah, exactly. We'll be right back. Hey, y'all. Did you know it's illegal to own just one guinea pig in Switzerland because they get lonely? Here at Turning Point, we don't want you to ever be lonely either. That's why we're open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Always feel free to come hang with our friendly staff, and don't forget your guinea pig. We're located at 415 Broadway Street, downtown Paducah. Well, are you jealous? No, no. I was, I was wondering if you stole it from my granddad. Yeah, that, my grandpa wore these every day. <laughs> I love those hats. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, kind of a you know nod to him, and I've always liked them, too. Yeah, you know, when you, you have a noggin like mine finding hats like that that would fit me would be probably uh, I'd have to order them off Amazon or something I don't know if they carry them at the store yeah I don't think they carry hats that big <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else we wanted to talk about during this thing or? Hmm. just how happy I am to have met you guys Aww. I met you guys before working here and then ended up working with y'all that's pretty cool. That is. That is cool. Good, good times. Yeah. I never thought I'd be working with Sam. When I came in, I thought Sam, well, he was a peer mentor when I got there, and I thought he was someone with all kinds of knowledge about recovery <laughs> and was this a peer of the community, and that was all lie. <laughs> I kicked that pedal stool down, didn't I? <laughs> Quick. <laughs> No, but it's awesome, man, because we all come from the same place, you know, and that that's what unites us, and, you know, whatever level we're at, we can, it, uh... You know, when I first met Matt, I was like, this guy's full of bull, he's not... <laughs> Which I don't think he was when I first met him, but it did change along the way. And I remember... There watching, were highs and lows. I was watching the, the you know, light bulb come on. I got to watch the light bulb come on, man. I was like, hey, this guy is actually he's starting to take this yeah. serious, and then... Then uh, I was working at Turning Point, and he, I said, what are you going to do after you're done being a peer mentor? And he's like, everybody's going to work somewhere, but nobody wanted to ask me. I'm like, well, that's what I'm kind of talking to you about right now. <laughs> I know I, I felt like applying down here, but I saw, like, people coming being asked to come down here. No one asked me to peer mentor. Like, you know, I was waiting for that bit of encouragement. <laughs> like, someone's like, you'd make a great peer mentor. Never happened. <laughs> well, he was going to say, come down to Turning Point. <laughs> Never happened. I just, you know, I didn't want to do either one of those things, but I felt like I should apply and make the effort to apply and leave it in God's hands. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, here I am. Yeah, I just heard the other day someone uh, told me that, that they were taking bets and that I would be one of the first people to relapse out of the group I came in with. Wow. <laughs> well, you've already proved that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Blown that out of the water. But, you know, I think for the sometimes I you know being sober just you know you rubs some certain people in my life probably still the wrong way and I still find pleasure in that sometimes too. 
<laughs> I am still sick, you know. Still sick. Getting better. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, thank you guys for participating. Thank you for being honest and sharing uh, a little bit about your pathway because uh, it's an important part of this process is, uh, as we were talked about, you know, being proud of what we've done and continuing to share with others and help others to know it's possible, I think. And speaking of sharing, remember to like and share the podcast. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction or in recovery and needs guidance, speak with Turning Point's team of peer support specialists by calling 270-444-3621. You are not alone, and we are proof that recovery is possible.